Welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home. I'm Colleen Pilar, and today we are talking about boundaries. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. It is such a tough topic for pet professionals. So many of us struggle with feelings of sadness, anger, anxiety, guilt, shame, resentment. And those are often indicators that we have boundaries that are being crossed. We have areas in our life where we need to make some tough decisions and have some hard conversations to reestablish the right balance and find what will really work for us. So when I was thinking about who I wanted to talk about boundaries with, I thought Dr. Michelle Holowaychuk would be the perfect person. She's a critical care veterinarian who is a passionate advocate for veterinary wellness. She has all sorts of awesome tips for you in this episode. You are going to love it. Hi, Marie. I'm so excited to talk to you today about boundaries. It's such a buzzword. Can you tell me a little bit about like what boundaries are and why we need them? Absolutely. Yeah, it's so great to be here to chat with you. And boundaries are definitely a passionate topic of mine. And when we think of boundaries, it's really our limits. So boundaries are what separate us from other people. They are what allow us to live in alignment with our needs and our values. And they're really what allow us to cultivate well-being in our lives. I think one of the biggest reasons why pet professionals struggle with burnout and other distress, distressing situations is because they have not set healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. I have found that too in my work. But it's hard to do. They, there are so many pet professionals who save everyone. They're the savior. That's their role. They're the helper, the giver, the server. And for them to say, well, no, I need to stop and take care of myself is sort of a foreign concept. What do you say to those people? I totally hear you. And and I struggle with that too. I think inherently we're, many of us are people pleasers. And so we want to put the uh, needs of everybody else before our own. And the reality is, is if you don't put yourself first as a care provider or as a, you know, pet professional of any kind, you're not going to be able to look after the people and the animals that you care about so deeply. So it's easy to, to say, they need me, they need me, this has to happen, and, and everybody else takes priority over me. That's only going to take you so far. And then you're going to hit a point where you're going to find that you haven't been looking after yourself, and then you have nothing left to give. Or you, the person that you bring into those jobs and into those roles is, is not necessarily the best person, and then you'll have to kind of backtrack and, and deal with that as well. Mm-hmm. The the best metaphor I've heard for this is uh, to consider yourself a musical instrument. And that if we had a friend who was a violinist and she left her violin out on her porch every night and it got the damp and the mildew and all of those things, we would judge her for that. We'd be like, you should take better care of that instrument because now it doesn't play as well. And we do that to ourselves all the time. We burn ourselves out and run ourselves dry, and then we show up as lesser versions of ourselves. And we don't ever stop to say, hmm, I'm not taking care of my instrument, you know, the way that I can live. And it's difficult. It's difficult to do because it feels selfish. 
Absolutely. I, I think one of my biggest sayings is that self-care is not selfish. And we, you know, boundaries are a part of self-care and mm-hmm. we need to set boundaries or we're not going to have any time for self-care to do things that are just for us and help to replenish us as care providers. I like your musical instrument analogy. I'm sure people who are listening have also heard, well, if you've flown on an airplane, you've heard a flight attendant Mm -hmm. say, put on your own oxygen mask before helping anybody else. So this is what boundaries are all about. This is about us looking after our needs so that we can better attend to everybody in our lives, furry or otherwise. So So what brought you to the study of all of this? So, uh, you know, I have experienced burnout in my own life and in my own career at many stages and, and many times. And it has become more and more clear to me over the last few years, you know, through counseling and reading and self-awareness and self-development that boundaries really are the staple for our health and well-being moving forward. So I have done a lot of reading and I've done a lot of work and I've done a lot of talking and I've really tried to put some of this into practice. And I've found that when I am able to set boundaries, healthy boundaries in my life, that it allows me to function at a higher capacity. It allows me to do work that I am very passionate about. It allows me to bring my best self into the work that I do. Um, So I've seen firsthand the benefits of healthy boundaries and it's just really inspired me to share that with with others who are struggling and and I'll be honest you know five years ago I, I, I didn't even I was like boundaries I don't even know what that means like, <laughs> what, what is that about you know but it's just become so much clearer to me and I think this is a this is the thing that keeps coming up you know the more yes. and more I talk to veterinarians and technicians and and everybody else who works with animals they, they share stories with me about their struggles and it becomes so clear to me that those struggles are directly related to not having healthy boundaries. So, mm-hmm. you know, I hear veterinarians often say, you know, well, I have to be there for my clients because they expect that of me. And if I'm not there for them, then they're going to go to another clinic or they're not going to want to see me anymore. And, you know, that's letting another person dictate your life. And and that's not a healthy boundary. Or I'll have technicians say to me, you know, I have a colleague that's always calling in sick and I'm always picking up her extra shifts. And, you know, it's I haven't had a weekend off in however long. And, you know, always looking to somebody else in terms of what the issue may be. And again, the issue is that's not a healthy boundary. You know, you can only work so many days in a row. You can only work so many weekends. You can only work so long without a day off. You need time for you too. And so again, recognizing like what are those unhealthy boundaries and and how can we interject and make them healthy again? It's really tough because when you talk to people about things like this, the first thought is I can't change it. You know, the technician who the coworker keeps calling in sick, she feels stuck. Like she, well, this is my job. I can't say no, I have to cover them. And it's tough to stop and think, well, what do I have to say yes to? And what am I choosing to say yes to in a way mm. that I probably need to draw this boundary? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, it is hard, you know, and, and what I hear more often from, you know, pet professionals is, but what about the patients? 
then it's the patients that suffer. If I don't come in for that shift, then who's going to work? Well, the bottom line in is no, nobody else is thinking about you in this situation. You know, as much as we like to think or, or we find ourselves thinking that the world is going to collapse if, if we do not go into work or if we do not do these things, it's simply not true. They will find a way. Things will happen you know, as they're meant to happen and we cannot take responsibility for everything and everyone in every situation. And so, yes, there's going to be guilt that creeps up. I think especially when we start setting boundaries, it can be really hard. There's that immediate feeling of like, oh, I feel so bad. I'm this bad person. I'm not, you know, taking these shifts. So if we go back to the technician example, you know, they might say, I feel guilty for not taking this shift, which is okay. That's normal. You're human. You're going to feel guilty. Of course you want to be helpful, but then they take it a step further and they feel shame. And so they say, well, I'm a bad technician or I'm a bad coworker, or if this is a friend they're working with, I'm a bad friend. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the negative spiral that we can't let ourselves go down. We have to think, okay, I have needs too. And in order for me to be a, a great technician and a great friend and a great coworker, I have to make my needs a priority. And if they haven't recognized it yet, they will find themselves in a situation where they haven't made themselves a priority and then stuff goes wrong. And I'll be honest, you know, I, the last few months I've been incredibly overscheduled and I've let my boundaries slide and I found myself working uh, three very long shifts in a row, 14 hours long. And by the end of my last shift, I realized I had made a really serious mistake at work. And it it hit me really hard. And thankfully, you know, we recognized it. It was a, a drug overdose. We reversed the patient. Everything was fine. But that for me was a wake up call. That was an indication that, okay, I have let my boundaries slide. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just me that's suffering now. It's my patients that are suffering and I need to seriously take some steps to get back on track. Yeah. And I think that's a really important example that you just shared and you shared it beautifully without all of the self-recrimination and the, oh, I'm such a terrible person stuff that goes with it because we do make mistakes when we are stretched to the limit. Well, first off, we make mistakes because we're human. We're going to make mistakes. That's going to happen even on your best day and a mistake might happen, but more happen when we allow ourselves to be just pulled so thin that we don't have anything left to give. And that's what happened in this case. And you were able to see, oh, wait, this is, this is not a sustainable way. And I need to put these boundaries back into play for myself and for my patients. No, I agree. And and I know that you've, you've talked on your show before about the importance of self-compassion and it is so important. And it would have been so easy for me to go down the rabbit hole of, I can't believe you did that. And I can't believe that happened, but I recognized very quickly and I accepted long ago that I'm human and I'm going to make mistakes. So I know that that's bound to happen, but I took it a step further and and asked myself, why did this happen? Mm -hmm. And I recognized that it happened because I wasn't getting enough sleep. I hadn't had enough time off. I hadn't been clear about the technical support that I needed to work these shifts at this particular hospital. I wasn't staffed appropriately. And I took immediate steps to rectify that. And I was very clear with with the team. I said, if I'm to locum here again, these are the things that have to change because I cannot compromise my patient's care. I can't compromise my health. I can't compromise 
you know, the clients and their expectations. But I was very kind to myself in that process. And I do think we have to foster that self-compassion when we're creating boundaries, because this is hard, you know, so don't be hard on yourself. Like, Oh, I suck at boundaries. You know, like that's not the point. Of it. <laughs> the point is, is I'm human. I am such a compassionate soul and I have such a huge heart. And unfortunately, sometimes that gets in the way of me looking after me. So you know what? Good for me for being such an amazing person, but now I need to give back to myself and I'm going to do that by recognizing what my needs and limits are and sticking with them and not compromising and knowing that I'm going to benefit from that and everybody else around me, including the pets I'm caring for, are going to benefit from that as well. That is absolutely true and so hard for people to wrap their brains around because they just don't see it until they really do set the boundaries. You know, when I'm working with people and I'm saying, okay, let's work on this. What, what, what boundaries can we start putting in place for you? And, and they are certain that it's, um, well, but it is selfish back to your whole self-care is not selfish. It, it comes down to like, this isn't going to benefit anyone else. And I say, it is, it is, it is, trust me, you know, we're going to do this, but it's really hard to see that it does benefit our coworkers and it does benefit the animals when we have these boundaries because it doesn't make intuitive sense. Have you bumped up against that as well? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that, you know, we can't see the forest through the trees. You know what I mean? Like we get so focused on the immediate ramifications, like we're letting somebody down, feel guilty, we feel ashamed. You know, uh, saying no is just so difficult for so many of us. And, and saying no is a big part of setting boundaries. And so, you know, I think that there's immediate struggles that happen in the short term. And I think as well, in the short term, it, it, it is easier not to assert your boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's easier just to go along with it. People don't want to have the difficult conversations. People feel, you know, like they don't want to create conflict or stir up trouble or quite frankly, sometimes myself included, I just don't have the energy to, to really think through it about what I need and to be able to communicate that. So I think there's a lot of things that inhibit us from setting boundaries in the short term, but we have to keep the long-term goal in mind, which is that we want to be doing this work for a long time. We want to be doing this work with our best selves. We want to be providing the best care possible. And so in order to do that, we have to set boundaries because we all have limits. We all have limits from a physical perspective, from a mental perspective, emotional perspective, and then certainly a spiritual perspective as well with regards to our morals and, and value systems. So I think it's, it's, easy to get sucked into the, it's easier if I just say yes and go along with it, but that's not going to serve you in the long term. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that it would be interesting perhaps to, to talk about some boundaries that people might set in each of those areas, the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual realms to see just examples of like what it might be. So let's, let's start with physical. So what would be a physical boundary that, that you've talked with people about? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, when I think of physical boundaries, I mean, you can think of it in, in terms of physical space and physical separation. So there's various ways to look at this. 
I think everybody is well aware of their physical, you know, we've all been with like a close talker or somebody who were like, whoa, you're invading my personal space. So for some people, you know, the physical aspect is is simply that. For for me, the physical aspect is really more about what do I need for my physical well-being? Mm-hmm. And when I think of my physical well-being, I think of things like how much sleep do I need every night? How much time do I need in my day so that I can have some movement or exercise? How often do I need to stop for breaks so that I can rehydrate, put food in my belly, use the bathroom, whatever it might be? So for me, my physical boundaries are are really limitations that I need to place because of the needs of my my physical body. Mm-hmm. And as I get older, I need fewer shifts in a row, if I'm being honest. I mean, the, the physical work of, you know, being in the hospital and, um, or even if I'm doing a speaking gig and I'm standing on my feet all day for eight hours, I mean, like it or not, we're, we're humans and we are not superheroes as much as we'd like to be. And so we do all have limitations. And so from a physical perspective, it's recognizing what those limitations are and and I, I would say, honestly, for me, the biggest limitation is sleep. And that's something that I've begun to uh, really try and preserve, especially as I get older, uh, just recognizing what that is. So for me, if I'm working a 14-hour shift, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time to wind down, eat, and get a proper sleep, which for me is eight hours a night. So, you know, again, taking all of these things into consideration, but those would be the biggest things for me from a physical perspective. Yeah, I think those are all awesome ones. I was talking to a vet recently in a coaching call and she said she had a day last week where she had three appointments in a row before she could get to the restroom, but she really needed to go. And I was like, I think it would have been awesome if you would have just had people wait two minutes. (laughs) You would have felt better. They would have felt it would have but she was like, everyone's waiting. I was running behind and there just wasn't any time. And I thought, oh wow. And that's always time. (laughs) It it is the taking care of your body. And I think we forget so often that we are physical creatures, you know, because we spend so much time in our brains. So let's shift there to the mental ones. What, What kind of mental boundaries would be helpful? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so true. So, you know, from a mental perspective, again, I think it's important to recognize that we only have so much, you know, decision making and brain capacity on a daily basis. You know, I I'm a, a have a, a big interest in things like decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have our prefrontal cortex, which is we're so blessed to have this as human beings because it allows us to, you know, look at our emotions and examine our feelings and exhibit higher reasoning and and everything allows us to to be to be human and to be providers however that is a limited resource on a daily basis and so we've all had the experience where we get to the end of our day we've especially those of us who have had a really difficult day with complex cases or complex situations or complex interactions and then we get home and we're like, you know, our partner is like, honey, what's for dinner? And we're like, no, 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 I can't make any more decisions, <laughs> you know, and, and there's science behind that. You can't make a decision because you're, you're depleted. Your brain is depleted. So I know for me, when I'm scheduling my days or planning my shifts or, you know, arranging my life, especially my work life, where I'm making very complex decisions or I'm dealing with complex situations, I need to be mindful of the fact that I only have a certain amount of brain power and I'm going to need time to recharge. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, it really hits me at about the 13, 14 hour mark of a shift. Mm 
And, and let's be honest, I don't, I don't plan to have shifts longer than 12 hours. In fact, most of my shifts are scheduled as 10 hours. Many of them end up going to 12. But when I'm getting beyond that, I need to be very careful about the decisions that I'm making. And so again, these are limits that we set on ourselves. We're like, you know what, then somebody fires off an email to us. Hey, I need your advice. I need you to do this. I need you, whatever. I need to check in with myself and say, Hey, okay, I'm getting to the 14th hour of a very long day. I, I can't respond to this email right now. And I might respond back right away and say, Hey, got your message. It's been a tough week. I'll get back to you tomorrow or by the end of the week. But really, again, recognizing our limits and from a mental perspective, there is only so much decision-making and complex thinking that we can do in a day. So how can I fix that? And, and maybe too, it's not just about structuring your workday and everything else, but maybe it's about structuring your life outside of work. Mm -hmm. So when you know you have a really long day and you're booked to work, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours that you already have planned ahead for what the meal is, or you say to your partner, honey, it's your, you know, your job tonight to make the food or whatever it might be, or, you know, however you can limit the decisions that you're having to make on those difficult days can be really, really helpful um, from a mental perspective. Yeah, it is amazing how the, the decision fatigue and all of that really plays in. The other day I was on a phone call late in the evening and the person I was talking to said, oh, I think we have static on the line. And I said, no, I'm just not doing complete sentences. You know, like she was getting part and then what I was having the beginning of a thought and then I was reframing the thought and she thought she was missing pieces. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. This just, uh, that's just mental fatigue. That's where we're at. <laughs> I felt like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The genius you're talking to, static on the line. I should have just blamed it on static. We should <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> so how about emotional boundaries? Yeah, so, these you know, important. <laughs> these are really important for me. You know, our emotions, this is all about how we manage our feelings. This is about our, you know, interactions and our relationships with people. Again, I know for me, in order to manage my emotions, I have to take steps during my day to be able to mitigate that. So um, I need a little bit of movement in my day. Again, for me, exercise is, is helpful for the physical form, but mostly for my mental health. So I know, especially this morning, Morning, I had kind of a, a rough morning and I, I said to myself, you know, I need, I, I'm going to get to the gym and I'm going to get a bit of movement in. It's only going to be for 20 minutes because it's a busy day, but I know that this is what I need for my emotional well-being. So again, this is about our needs, like recognizing this is what I need for my emotional well-being. So I need to have a day that allows time for that. Emotional well-being is also um, very much about social connection. So we also need time for connection, whether it's time to connect with your loved ones or to really connect with the people that you work with on a non-work-related -work basis or whatever it might be. Yes. A lot of my emotional well-being, too, comes from professional support. And so, you know, I see a counselor on a regular basis. That's, that's a non-negotiable for me. That's something that again is a need for me and that I have to schedule uh, into my time. I really hope that, that many of the people are, who are listening have work in a workplace that also allows them to do that so that if they needed to step away from work to speak to a counselor, psychologist, social worker, what have you, that that would be, that would be recognized and, and, supported. 
So all sorts of other tools that we can work into our day in terms of managing emotions. So mindfulness is really important for me. I try to start each day off as well. In addition to my exercise with meditation um, too. So we, it's again, it's important about recognizing where we need support and how we can make sure that we incorporate that support into our life. And if we're, you know, moving on through our work day and we find ourselves in a situation that has high emotions and we don't feel that we're being heard or listened to or treated with respect or anything else, those can be situations where boundaries are crossed as well. And, and sometimes the way in which we treat each other as, as team members or that our clients treat us or the, the people that we're helping, sometimes those cross boundaries. And again, we're treated in a way that is not respectful um, and not appropriate. So recognizing that, and speaking up for ourselves. I've had to tell clients before, it is not okay for you to speak to me this way. If you continue to use this tone or if you continue to use profanity or whatever your limits are, you know, we're going to have to end this conversation. And so outline what the consequences will be. So uh, emotional is a, is a big one, but there's definitely a lot of boundaries wrapped up there too. Yeah, there's so much in the emotional piece. And I think I think recognizing all of those elements is really important and and that does seem to be an area that I've that I've found some people struggle because there's so much emotional manipulation in certain relationships. You know, the client who is um, scared probably but winds up lashing out at everyone in the hospital uh, having a boundary set and like no no, this, you know, here are your choices. You can get yourself under control or you can leave, but you can't stay here and continue doing that. On the one hand, it's tempting to just go with the short-term solution of like, let's just deal with this person and get them out. But we wind up carrying some of that residual with us, you know, and the more it happens and the more it happens, we have to decide. And then there are definitely people who have family members or friends and colleagues who play the guilt card or the, well, if you really cared, you would. And all of those pieces need some boundaries around them too. And, and some practice and, and, and a safe place to figure out what the boundary is and talk about how you're going to start building it. Cause the emotional ones I think are the ones that people, at least in my experience, retreat from most quickly because it, it seems to make someone else sad. Like, it's hard to argue, I'm exhausted, I need to sleep. It's much easier to argue, you're being selfish by not helping me. I, 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 I'll, okay, you know, like, I'll give in here. Totally. Yeah, I think recognizing, you know, when that emotional blackmail happens, you know, if you really loved me, then you would do this. Or, mm -hmm. you know, if you really cared about animals, then you would do this. You know, those those people do not have healthy boundaries. When they're putting that on you, completely inappropriate, recognize it as such um, and, and say the contrary. You know, in fact, I absolutely care about animals and it's because I care about animals so much that this is why I'm making this decision or whatever it is. But you're right. These, it takes practice and I agree with you completely that those who are closest to us in our lives are often the ones we struggle the most to set boundaries with and I know yeah. I've definitely experienced that in my life as well <laughs> okay that brings us to the spiritual ones what are some spiritual boundaries and finding our values and living them 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't want anybody to be put off by the word spiritual. I know some people are like, oh, spiritual. And they, they think I'm going to talk about religion <laughs> or something. And, and, and that might be part of what it is to some people. You know, you might need a certain amount of time during your week or during your day for prayer or reflection or whatever practice that you have in your life. For me, when I think of, you know, pet professionals and, and spiritual boundaries, it's more about sticking with practices that abide by our morals and our belief systems. Mm -hmm. So I'll talk about this mostly from the perspective of, of veterinary care provider only because that's where my experience is. But, you know, especially as an emergency veterinarian, we have clients that come into the hospital, they have pets in life-threatening situations, the costs are very high, and very often the owners cannot pay. And yeah. so we find ourselves in situations of moral stress where the owner is having to choose euthanasia versus maybe surrender or versus finding the money or whatever it might be. And these are incredibly stressful situations for us. And we need to make sure that we feel comfortable with the situations that we're doing. You know, as care providers in a perfect world, we would not ever feel like we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. But that is the reality of veterinary medicine. I have absolutely had to euthanize young animals that I could have saved. I, I still think to this day, you know, there was, I was working in an emergency shift and there was this dog that was just dropped off in the middle of the night in the foyer of the hospital. And the, it was a little puppy and they, the team came and they're like, Oh, it's a puppy. Somebody must've just surrendered it. They couldn't look after it, blah, blah, blah. They took it to the back. They offered the puppy food and the puppy wouldn't eat the food. Well, puppy wouldn't eat the food because puppy had parvovirus. Mm. So, you know, here we go. Then we've got this unowned animal that, that needs care. We talked to the shelter, the shelter for many different reasons, could not foot the bill for the puppy's care. And I ended up having to euthanize this puppy. And those situations are so hard because I know I could be saving that animal. You know, there's there's some circumstances and, and that, that puppy, if there's anything you know, that I took away or, or that sort of helped me through that situation is he was really unstable. He needed very intensive care. It wasn't a run of the mill, you know, you could send this puppy home sort of parvo case. So, but we are sometimes faced with situations where we know that we should be doing something else. And so sticking true to what our morals are, what our beliefs are, this could be, you know, um, in reference to, you know, doing cosmetic surgeries, doing procedures that we haven't been trained to do, having conversations that we don't feel prepared to have, wherever you find yourself in a situation where something tells you that this isn't right and that this is not your conversation to have or your procedure to do or that you should be doing something else. Again, that's where we need to set limits. And, and I've definitely set limits from the perspective of I do not euthanize a healthy animal unless there is very sound cause to do so. And that just is a, helping me to align with why I went into this profession. So that's that's a really big thing when it comes to to spiritual boundaries, I would say. Yeah, it really does. And I think that excellent examples of it, taking it from the uh, religious overtones, which which definitely relate to so many people, but we all have our values, however they are maybe expressed, and we need to live in accordance with them. 
One other area that I've, I've found helps people with when we talk about the spiritual side is moments that you find awe. Like the, the periods where you marvel and feel and, and so regardless of your religious beliefs, it could be, you know, when I'm taking a hike in the woods and I see the leaves blowing, I feel awe. Or when I'm watching dogs run through a field, like I can see behind you, there's a photo of a dog leaping in grass. And I'm like, that would be a moment that, that your heart just goes, oh, yay. And taking the time and energy to preserve space for those moments to lean into them and to really feel it matters. It matters a lot. And Mm. all of these become areas that we jettison when we get busy. We're like, I don't have time for the hike. I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time to sit. (laughs) Or pee. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's hard to reframe that. But in terms of like in the business books I'm reading, all of the benefits of of having the boundaries and making sure that people are healthy on all these levels, on the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual levels, have tremendous return on investment. I mean, people are happier, they're more engaged, there's less turnover, there's less absenteeism, there's you know fewer conflicts between people, there's more creative thinking. And so we kind of go, it's a no-brainer. Of course, we should just all be focused on resilience and thriving and and creating these workplaces. But the reality is it takes effort to do it. And it seems easier in the short term to just be the people pleaser who just gives in. Yeah, absolutely. You said it beautifully. And and I love your your definition of awe as your spiritual wellness. I think that that's a perfect, perfect way to put it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for someone who knows that he or she needs more boundaries, what are some baby steps that you suggest for them and getting started and creating their boundaries? For sure. You know, I think with anything where we create change in our life, there needs to be a little bit of uh, self-awareness and self-reflection that take place. So you could simply sit and, and reflect on everything that we've just talked about and, and say to yourself, like, what are my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual limits? And writing them down, getting really clear about them. And thinking about situations in your life where you've maybe let them go or way, you know, ways in which you have not stuck with them or asserted them. And if you're really having troubles, even imagining where you have compromised boundaries, one of the things that I do is just tune into myself and into my body. If I have feelings creep up like resentment or anger or frustration, very often it's an indication to me that a line has been crossed. Mm -hmm. And so if I find myself in a situation where I feel those feelings, or I even physically experience like a knot in my stomach or tears welling up in my eyes, I can take a moment then to ask myself, okay, what is it about this situation, this expectation, this interaction, or whatever is going on here that does not align with me. Something is not gelling here. I'm feeling taken advantage of. I'm not feeling appreciated. I'm not feeling heard. I don't feel like my needs are being met. And then what can I, what can I do to, to overcome that? And then as far as baby steps go, it's really picking boundaries, at least in the beginning, that are the least threatening and feel comfortable for you to assert. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it might be as simple as 
I'm not going to check work email on the weekends. That's a boundary. I'm preserving my weekend time for family time, or I'm not going to work more than five shifts in a row or whatever it might be. But, but choosing something, probably something that is non-relationship based is going to be the easiest one, the easiest conversation to have initially, or the easiest kind of proclamation to make at work or with your coworkers or colleagues or whatever. And you do want to communicate it. You want to communicate it clearly. And it doesn't have to be a listen up, everybody, I'm setting this boundary, you know, (laughs) anything like that. But it can just be like, hey, guys, you know what, I it's, Moving forward, I'm going to really do my best to preserve my weekend time. And so I'm not going to be checking email on the weekends. And I don't expect any of you to check email on the weekends either. And, you know, let's see how that goes for the next month. And then, you know, we'll go from there. So for me, boundaries is often sometimes about little experiments along the way. So, Hey, you know what? I'm going to try this out for a month. I'm going to see how this feels, or I'm going to do this for this season, the next three months. I'm going to, I'm going to revisit it in the next quarter and, and maybe I make adjustments, maybe the sticks, maybe I need to, you know, take it another step further. So I think that's my biggest advice getting started. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I think the whole self-awareness, self-reflection piece plays in with that so beautifully because you do have these starter spots and then to really think about that, what was hard about that, what was beneficial about that, what was, you know, the cost and benefits of of doing these things. And is that the boundary that I wanted or do I want it to be even more or do I want to ease back? And, and taking some time to really think about what we want is crucial to getting to where we want to be and feeling the way we want to feel. Uh, but it's hard when, whenever there's any points of friction, we kind of veer away from that. Like, Oh, I don't want to think about that. That might be hard or painful. Yeah. This has been an awesome discussion of boundaries. I appreciate you coming on today. This has been really terrific. So if people want to learn more about you and your work, Marie, where could they do that? Absolutely. No, it's been my pleasure. My website is criticalcarevet.ca. So everybody is welcome to visit my website. I've got some blogs and videos and recordings and other things on there related to well-being that I encourage people to check out. Um, Otherwise, I'm also on social media. So people can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I generally release a blog about once a month, and then I have a newsletter that's once every quarter. So if people visit my website, they'll be prompted to sign up for that. And everything is well-being related. So I always welcome people to to reach out. I'm also receiving of email like everybody on the planet is. So <laughs> criticalcarevet at outlook.com if people want to send me a direct message. So Wonderful. And I'll have all of that linked in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you. So while you were listening into this conversation, did you have any aha moments? Did you find any areas in your life where maybe there's a boundary you need to re-examine? If so, coaching might really help you. I have talked to so many veterinarians and other pet professionals who are really struggling with some of these feelings of overwhelm or feeling like maybe they're not good enough. People tell me that they love what they do. They can't imagine doing anything else, but they are so drained. They say things like, I feel like I'm drowning. I can't sleep. I feel like a failure. Sometimes I feel like I'm all alone. If you have any of these thoughts, talking with a coach might help you. 
a coach's job is not to tell you what to do. Instead, in a coaching conversation, I will ask questions that help you see the bigger picture of your life and help you decide what's most important to you so that you can craft a plan for how you want to move forward. When you're struggling with boundaries, talking to an impartial person can be so valuable because they don't have any stake in the game. They're not really concerned what the decision is other than strongly advocating that you do what's best for you. So if you're having any concerns about boundaries or issues, anything that you're struggling with, any feelings of, you know, anxiety and rumination, sleepless nights, burnout, feeling like you're not enough, anything like that, coaching can help. Give me a call. Go to my website and schedule a free consultation, and I will be happy to help you. 